0: Welcome to Witch Police Radio. I'm back here with a guest who's been on the show uh, before, and I think the last time you were on a formal episode of the podcast, I mean, I've talked to you in between then and now, but it was one of the uh, Quick Hits episodes we did, um, which was, I guess, now in 2021, which seems like a really long time ago, but it also doesn't seem like a really long time ago. But you have a lot of new stuff, and I want to talk about that new stuff. So to start this off, if you want to introduce yourself and give a bit of background about what it is you do as a musician, that would be cool.
2: Yeah, uh, my name is Patrick Michaelishin. I've been—I uh, host a radio show at CKUW. I have a local small business, and I picked up synthesizer music at the start of the pandemic because I figured I wouldn't be seeing anyone for a while. And uh, that not seeing anyone kind of just built my confidence. And I started a band camp and have been releasing music at a semi-steady clip. And recently, I re. Uh, reinvigorated my, not reinvigorated, I brought back my record label because I figured that if I want to lose money on music I might as well lose it on my own. So Sounds Escaping is back. It's a label that I ran um, up until a few years ago and then I brought it back to put out my most recent album.
0: Well, And I do want to get into that most recent album because I've been listening yeah. to it since you uh, kindly dropped it off for me. And yeah. um, But before we get into that, like, like you said, you've been releasing music at a pretty steady pace sort of since you yeah. started this. It seems like Every time I see you doing something, you have more and more gear, or you're doing something different with it. And and I've I've heard this before from people who do synthesizer-based music, that it becomes an obsession, and this becomes like this addiction to to just get... More and more stuff to, to to kind of mess with and and experiment with and fiddle around with is. And looking at you now, I mean, I know most people are hearing this in audio form, but you're kind of surrounded by these light these lights of synthesizers and weird uh, yeah. things happening on screens. So is that is that accurate though? Like, have you become kind of fully engulfed in this hobby? Uh
2: yes, not to the not to the extent of uh, some people. A lot of uh, Winnipegger friends have gotten into the modular thing, right. and I can't afford that. Uh, This is stuff that I've been collecting, I guess, for the last decade and a half, and now I just finally have a room that I can kind of display it. And I know all the other interviews that I've done, I've done on the edge of my couch. I've been up here for eight hours, getting this scene ready, just so I can kind of uh, try to impress people with my cheap toys and some expensive toys right. and lights and stuff. And there's like a thrum in the background. And I was uh, setting up drones on four different machines just to kind of have playing in the background. Uh, yeah, it's something that I have always been interested in. I've always, uh, I've been volunteering at the West End Cultural Center for 16 years, about maybe longer than that, 20 years, no, since I was 16. Wow. And music has always been a huge part of my life uh, going into the radio show. Seeing music, collecting music, listening to it nonstop. Uh, Tried jamming with a few people over the last few years. I don't really play well with others. Uh, There's a few people that I can get along with uh, musically really well. Uh, Leaf Norman is a local photographer. Now Synthesis, we get together about once, twice a week to make some noise and experiment with sounds. Um, Yeah, I've been, I've just been collecting and. Uh, hooking things up in different configurations and just trying to find interesting noises. And uh, if it works, I put it out. If it doesn't work, I leave it on the hard drive. I try not to agonize too much over anything. I just kind of, if it sounds good enough, it sounds good enough. And then I'm on to the next thing. And if it sounds good to me and I can listen to it over and over again, then uh, I'll throw it up on YouTube or on Bandcamp. And if anyone else finds it, then it's just bonus.
0: For sure, for sure. And one of the things about synthesizers in general, and this has come up a bunch of times on this podcast, because I have kind of been... It's one of those genres of music where I never really had too much of a foothold in. And I've been sort of learning more as I go. Every few years, I'll interview a handful of other people making this kind of experimental electronic music. And I learn a bit more and a bit more. And, but I mean, so... I kind of got a crash course in modular synthesizers last year on an episode of the show. So what is the difference between what you're doing and that? Cause I, I kind of have wrapped my brain around what that is and it's very complicated, but yeah, what is the main sort of difference between what you're doing and what that is?
2: Uh, well, modular is basically building your own synthesizer from components. Uh, you guys start off with an empty case that costs between three and $500. Right. And then you buy your own individual pieces and the modulars, you have your modules that you have to connect in all these different ways I guess the only difference with what I'm doing is I have a lot of, well, pretty much all pre made synthesizers, noise makers, acoustic stuff that I can record and manipulate. Um, so I guess these are, these pre built instruments are my modules. And then I have all these, uh, I got a, I'm not going to turn my computer around, but I have a shelf full of adapters that I can connect RCA to quarter inch, quarter inch down to eighth inch. Uh, just run, I can just, so I can connect everything in my lab here and just, make noise with it. So it's, it's pretty much, it's, you know, same shit, different toilet. It's
0: yeah, sure. Sure.
2: Yeah. It's just electronics that I hook up in different ways to try to get a sound that's uh, interesting.
0: And it's limitless, right? I mean, you could keep hooking up. I mean, there's no oh, the yeah. right adapters and cords. You can, you can just go forever.
2: Yeah. And there's always an idea of like, Oh, what about this? Like I bought a set of those, uh, Tibetan singing bowls. There was some online deal and then I got a decent enough microphone that I can record it, loop it into a pedal and then just, cool. Off to the races from there. So it's just having fun with sounds and trying to find interesting combinations.
0: Well, and I think that like since you've been doing this, I mean, having heard, I mean, I have a copy of your first tape that you put out when you first started, kind of releasing yeah. this, uh, you know, as yourself and actually putting it out there. And then the, the new the new disc, and then everything you've done in between. There is an improvement for sure, like from 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 yeah. release to release. And again, it's one of these styles of music where I don't really have the language to explain what it is that I think has improved about it. But I think it has. Like you seem to be. I don't know if it's that you're more sort of um, comfortable maybe almost with, with the gear and with, with. with that's,
2: ex- that's exactly it. Yeah. It's, it's a comfort thing. It's being uh, comfortable with more of the tools and putting more of them together. So whereas some things are just, uh, you know, a synthesizer and a couple of pedals yeah. incorporating a drum machine or incorporating a sampler or all of those things and just kind of getting them to work together and kind of teaching myself how to mix and, uh, master and all the all the stuff that I don't want to pay anyone else to do because I can't afford it of course I'm yeah. just learning, I'm learning as I go and yeah it's just, it's just practice practice practice
0: well it has a real tendency to become like one of those DIY punk rock things not 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 sonically but aesthetically where you you can oh, totally. do it all yourself and especially now with the internet and Bandcamp and all these options like you can be sitting in your lab for eight hours a day making weird noises and you can actually create music that people are going to listen to it and enjoy
2: well, first, like first and foremost, if I enjoy it, that's like that's my number one goal. And if other people, you know, like it, uh, that's that's a bonus for me. Like I put out the CD on the Sounds Escaping Bandcamp, up on Discogs and all that stuff. And the furthest it's gone, someone actually bought a CD uh, from Norway. Wow, that was that just feels good. I mean, I still have you know yeah. a whole bunch of CDs in the basement, but it's cool when they slowly trickle out. And if I do play gigs, it's kind of cool having something that I can sell off the off my table.
0: Well, that was kind of what I was going to bring up next to you. You have actually played shows now. I mean, that, that's that's become kind of part of this, this thing, which was yeah. – that was new for you.
2: Yeah, my first show was at uh, the graffiti gallery for Space Doxa. Uh and it was super, super surreal. I, I had a projection. Uh, I've got another toy that I can manipulate videos with, but John Crocker showed up, yeah, which, was, which blew my mind, and he came up and introduced himself, and we kind of geeked out over what I had. And then after I finished my set, he came up to me, and he's like, I saw – Robert Fripp in Winnipeg in 1984 and I got the same feeling from seeing you play and it just kind of melted my brain because I knew who John Crocker was then you interviewed him then I met him and it's just been it just felt really cool it's just a nice way to you know meet other like-minded uh musicians
1: yeah
0: and it's kind of a cool continuum too the fact that like you know not only was he doing this stuff 40 years ago but like, there's oh, yeah. still people doing variations on the same thing, and it's still this like consistent kind of. It's existed on a line like throughout all these decades and, and stylistic changes and stuff. And he can see something in what you're doing that appeals to him as someone who made that music way back then.
2: Oh, totally. And there's a lot of people who are coming up now. There was a there's a group on Facebook called Voltage in Maine. Yeah, uh, a lot of us synth weirdos are part of it. We sell stuff, we trade stuff, and they used to be get-togethers at Kelly Hughes Church. Uh, it's always it's just interesting meeting people who you in a realm that you wouldn't have maybe met them otherwise. And then just kind of making new friends, making new connections, getting new ideas, getting inspired. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. We're kind of like we're, the freaks are finding each other. The synth freaks, I guess.
0: That almost seems like one of the good things to happen out of the pandemic, too, is that all of these little subcultures are finding each other because they've all sort of been stuck online for two and a half years straight just kind of digging around and they end up somehow encountering each other and now that's opened up into the real world and up into real life and people actually getting together for for shows like that and and for meetups and things
2: yeah it's uh it's and just putting the stuff out there like eventually you'll find someone who wants like i found people who just wanted to throw me on a gig my second uh, gig I played at Little Brown Jug, okay. uh, opening for Viva Non. He did a DJ set. And it was great. I didn't, uh, once again, it was one of those things where I was so close uh, to the monitors, I couldn't really hear what I was doing, but the feedback was good and I had a lot of fun, and that's, I think, the most important thing.
0: Well, that that maybe brings up another question, too, is, I mean, on on a similar vibe, you have someone like Chris Friesen, like Freaking Snap, doing, um, you know, he's making electronic music and he's using very, very limited equipment by comparison, but his stuff is all completely improvised. Like, how much of yours, how much do you agonize over the sounds before you put them into a finished piece? Because, I mean, he's on one extreme of the the spectrum where he's literally making it up on the fly and releasing 7,000 albums a week. What is your sort of process, like, by comparison? (laughs)
2: I start, I start with the, with an idea and then a tone, and then I kind of start adding on to it. I also hate agonizing over things. Uh, like, I don't want to think about it too much. Usually the best things that I come up with are just these, like, these two chaos pads. Um, quick way to just, like, throw down some sketches and some loops. Yeah. And I usually come up with something super, super simple, but it just sounds amazing. And then, uh, you know, the Syntrix, you just plug in, you just connect the dots and Turn some knobs and you get some stuff, and then run it through a couple of pedals, and you might have a little pocket symphony. And it just, yeah, I try, I try not to agonize. I just start off with a sound. Or uh, if I'm sitting downstairs and I'm listening to a podcast and I hear an interesting uh, phrase that kind of inspires me, or if I am out with friends and I take a picture that looks really, really cool, uh, sometimes I just play to that. Or I think of things that I have, and I'm like, oh, this would sound cool if I recorded this it played it backwards and then had an echo over and over into oscillation okay, okay. So i don't i don't think about it too much i kind of just try it and then if it works out it's a eureka moment and if it doesn't then i usually make a couple of knob turns and i have a completely different sound and hopefully i like that one but then again i just don't agonize i just play 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 until i get bored and walk away for a little
0: while that's kind of a nice thing to have when you're doing it on your own you don't have to worry about you know yeah other other musicians being involved you can just yeah you can take a break and come back to it whenever you feel like and sit in your lab for eight eight hours more and
2: (laughs) do what you're gonna do there's no no pressure it's just it's just fun well and And you're releasing your own stuff on your own label
0: so, so, so you're all in control of every aspect of it
2: yeah it's, a, it's And it's great, because I like to I like to Photoshop, too. I do a lot of Photoshopping for my business. And then sometimes I just find a really cool image online that I don't want to spend on the business. So I'll save it for myself, and I'll just start mucking around. And um, I'll try to play to it. Like what I did for Clant is I came up with that cover. And I knew that I came up with the cover last year. And then this past summer, I was in Edmonton uh, visiting my then-partner, and just started recording in the hotel room while she was at work, and kind of came up with this 90 minutes of outer spacey style music that I cut down to 65. Uh, remembered that I had this cover and just kind of went from there.
0: So, what is the what is the concept behind Klont? Then, because I mean, uh, you know, it, it it describes itself as a uh, official soundtrack or original soundtrack to Klont.
2: Yeah, so Klont. Uh, I just like the word. It's a Dutch word that just means lump.
0: Okay. Uh,
2: and then the outer space sound. I found this really cool picture of the moon that uh, just looked kind of ominous. The font was just that old 70s kind of computer font. I like the purple. Um, the movie doesn't exist yet. If someone wants to make it, the, the music's already there.
0: <laughs> right. You save money uh, on that part, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. And the best thing that I think came out of it, Bad Gardening Review did a review of the album, but he reviewed the film. Right. Or they reviewed the film because I don't know who it is. Either do I. You know, I it's a mystery. Oh, I love it, and it was the it was the perfect review. It just made it made no sense. It made all the sense, and the soundtrack was kind of secondary to that. But it just it just warmed me up so much because it was is everything that I wanted. It doesn't exist, but in this parallel universe, that bad gardening advice is the king of the movie is a hit, and the soundtrack is gonna win an award. Yeah, yeah, I like fun.
0: that. I like that. Yeah, wait. I mean, obviously, the movie doesn't exist, like you just said. Was there any kind of idea behind sort of making it have a kind of, a kind of thematic sound throughout? I mean, is there, I know there's a space thing, but like, yeah. was there was that a goal to make it sort of flow as if it was a soundtrack, or is it just the title you came up with um, after the fact?
2: Uh, it kind of just worked. I just I recorded for hours in a hotel room. I when I flew to Edmonton, I have this little um, just have this little suitcase that I got from. Uh, princess auto and it fit this little synthesizer that i bought here and then it had room for two guitar pedals i had one of those uh battery packs and i have a couple adapters that are usb to 9 volt so i just took i took two guitar pedals with me a couple of cables and i just did synthesizer into uh pedal number one then pedal number two and then about halfway through the session i did uh synth through pedal number two then into pedal number one and into my recording device and just mucked around with sounds and just kind of like let it breathe and let it evolve into this thing. And then I listened back to it uh, when I got back to Winnipeg and it just sounded great. I listened to it nonstop and remember that I had this cover and then just kind of started doing layouts just for fun in Photoshop and uh, thought, you know, I got sounds escaping in my back pocket. Now I'm label mates with personality crisis, stretch marks, ovoids, forbidden dimension and uh, Ink noise. That's, so kind, that's of, kind of, yeah, I mean, I. I It's DIY, you know, I did it myself. I have, uh, I had the resources and uh, I mean, it's my label. I can kind of do what I want, right?
0: So, yeah. is, is Sounds Escaping going to be now used for your releases, and then whatever else, if you decide to do anything different with it, or is yeah, it is it just pretty much, yeah?
2: Yeah. It's, uh, and it's I've, since I brought Sounds Escaping back, I've had and put out Clont. A few people or a few artists have gotten in touch, like before when I was running the label, and they want me to put out their stuff. And I'm more than willing to help them, but it's one of those things where, like I said, I'm willing to lose money on myself. Running a like record label, uh, someone told me is like ripping up hundred dollar bills while taking a cold shower. Yeah. So it's kind of okay if it's only affecting me, but if it's yeah, I'll help. I'll help anyone who wants to release their own stuff. uh, Realize the realize their dream without using my money. I will talk you through it. I will help you with whatever I can help you out with. But yeah, it's kind of a vanity label now. And, uh, it's, but if something else comes up that's, uh, that tickles my fancy, then I'm up for that too. I was bouncing around an idea of doing a local, uh, compilation of electronic experimental music, and I was going to call it Treaty 1.0.
0: Okay. I like that. That's pretty good. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh,
2: and like, a little mock cover of it and stuff. And then, uh, you know, there's the people who I know would be on it, like, you know, friends of mine, obviously. And then I kind of started thinking about all the people who would be upset that I didn't make a big call out because I have enough people in my circles of synth nerds that I could yeah. get an hour, 80 minutes of, of music. And then some people started, eh, everyone has an opinion, especially when they feel like they might be left out. Then they just start you know, throwing mud at it. So it's on the back burner right now. The cover is kind of going through some retooling, and I'm talking to some friends about potentially doing this thing. Um, but yeah, there's a whole bunch of, there's uh, and there's other bands that I reach out to, like I'm Instagram friends with Brian from uh, Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet, and he's aware of the label and he loves that it's kind of underground and no one knows about it for yeah. maybe archival Shadowy Men releases, That would but be amazing. So that's not happening yet, but if it happens, then it might come out on Sounds Escaping.
0: Yeah, yeah, that'd be super cool. Well, is there, at this point, is there, I mean, I know this is your first kind of release on the Reborn Sounds Escaping, yeah. but is there a way you decide kind of what releases of your own stuff go just on Bandcamp and which ones are going to go on a physical release? Has that been determined? Cause I know you've been releasing, you would put on a tape, not on a label, yeah. just, just as yourself. Yeah,
1: and exactly. then you put a
0: bunch of stuff online and then now there's a CD and obviously it exists online too, but yeah. how do you sort of pick then, I guess of all of your music you're making, what's worthy of, I guess, a wider release.
2: Um, I think well for Clont, I just wanted to bring back Sounds Escaping and get something physical made. Yeah, um, there's a few other things that are on Bandcamp that I wouldn't mind having uh, physically. I think it was just a right time, right place for me. Like I had enough money in the bank account that I could press up a small number of CDs. Uh, the m- music was fresh and new, and I hadn't shared it uh, with a lot of people or put it up online yet for you know to, for the ten people who were going to listen to it to listen to it. So it was just kind of a right time, right place. There's things that I'd like to release that are on my band camp on like as a physical thing, kind of like uh, get a couple of those EPs and just put them onto one disc and you'll know, press yeah. up a hundred copies or whatever. Cause that's what a lot of places are doing. They're letting you press up uh, like a silver disc in as low numbers as a hundred. And it's not gonna cost you much, you know, to press it up is less than five bucks a pop depending on how intense your artwork is. But I just like having that physical artifact. even if it's not a lot of them it's just cool to have uh have a physical thing to you know show people or give to people or submit to radio stations or you know review uh sites or local archivists yeah it's just it's cool to have something that you can actually have and hold and uh you know show people it kind of just makes it real instead of just being this ephemeral thing just that lives on the internet
0: yeah yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. I mean, I, as you know, I'm all on board for physical media. So yeah. very, very nice to very nice to see you doing this. I'm, I'm glad, Thanks. I'm glad. Sounds escaping is back in some form because it was really cool what you're doing before. Uh, again, the archive stuff obviously appeals to me. <laughs> but yeah. you know, you you were doing some digging up some cool Winnipeg history and putting it out there, and now you're doing new Winnipeg stuff, which is great too. Um, at this point, what's the best way to find this music? I know, like you said, you have physical copies out there of Clont. Yeah. Um, you're on Bandcamp. Where would you send someone to find your music just kind of writ large?
2: Uh, if they can spell my name, uh, Bandcamp is probably the best one. Uh, P-A-T-R-I-C-K-M-I-C-H-A-L-I-S-H-Y-N. You can slow it down or just rewind, rewind, rewind.
0: Or read the uh, title of the episode and then you'll, you'll or read the back.
2: title of the episode. Cut and paste it and yeah. uh, Google it. Uh, PatrickMichaelisham.bandcamp.com. If you go to Discogs to the Sounds Escaping page, you can buy it through there. And uh, hopefully more gigs come along. Uh, I know that Leif Norman was talking with somebody at Manitoba Music about maybe getting a bit of coin to put on like an experimental synth night that would happen maybe once every two, three months. Cool. So it's one of those, but there's all these little ideas that you know we have. Leaf and I uh, also, he's been guesting on my radio show almost every week and we bring some synthesizers and pedals and CKW has a CD player that you can run a line out to into the in and actually broadcast it so he's been buying really weird spoken word sound effects records and we play the whole 20 minute side and then we just make synthesizer music live underneath it
0: that's cool
2: so we don't like have a way to really record it so it's just kind of if you're listening to the radio show at the time then you get this kind of cool experimental thing uh he was playing with a drone synth and a couple of pedals and playing underneath uh full quiz record of someone reading excerpts of moby dick oh wow that's cool yeah Oh, it was was totally weird. It was something that, uh, because I know know Johnny Sizzle does that with the comic books. I know back in the day, Chris Jakes used to do that on his show where he just set up and make stuff. And it's kind of cool having something that only exists in that moment, too. Like, as much as I want to preserve everything, it's kind of nice to have that complete opposite of if you're up at one o'clock in the morning when we're doing this weirdo stuff on CKUW, then you catch this exclusive piece of uh, music. And you're. Yeah. So you miss it.
0: I mean, yeah, as someone who saves everything, like, local music related, it kind of hurts me yeah. a little bit to hear that, but I do I do, well, understand, I, yeah. I do understand the appeal of it, though. Like, this is a one-off that, like, if you happen to be there, you catch it, and it can't be replicated, and it can't be heard again. There is something to that, for sure.
2: But I'm like you, too, where, like, if there's a band that I like or an artist that I follow, and there's something that I can't actually own, it drives me absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, so yeah I, but now that I'm making the music like I'm a cd guy myself so when I when there's a band that puts out something that's vinyl only or if they do like an exclusive a track it drives me up the wall but now that I'm actually releasing music I kind of see the appeal of having kind of fringe formats yeah I mean I don't think I could ever release a record if a label ever you know found something that they liked and wanted me to put out a seven inch or an lp then I'd be all for it uh, but yeah I as a a consumer i want it on cd as a music maker i i don't care you just want it out. i just want want it out there yeah i want some ears to hear it i want someone to uh get excited when they listen to my stuff and then i just like having it online too so i can listen to it while i'm doing dishes or uh, cooking or whatever
0: right on So, uh, you know, obviously, again, Bandcamp, if you can spell your name, that's that's the place to go. Uh, Is there anywhere on social media people should follow you to find out about potential shows, things like that, maybe happening in the future?
2: Uh, Having me on Facebook, I guess, if if you wanted, you can add me as a friend on Facebook. I don't really have a a page or anything. I've got a YouTube channel where I make music videos for some of the pieces that I do that aren't on Bandcamp. I like finding old um, public domain videos and chopping them up and putting my music underneath that and just putting out these like weirdo experimental music videos. Um, and yeah, those are free to watch on YouTube. Eventually I'm going to have a collection of some singles and one-offs that I want to put together as like a band camp release, or even if I do a CD pressing of something that needs some extra tracks to fill it out, I can put those songs as like bonus tracks to kind of incentivize a physical purchase and just get it out there eventually. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Thank you.